invite you to turn with me to the 42nd Psalm, 42nd Psalm, Psalm 42. We're going to look at Psalm 42 and 43 this morning. They are combined together in so many ways that almost every commentator addresses them together as one psalm, maybe two parts. The older Charles Spurgeon, about 150 years ago, said to young, aspiring pastors, it's been recorded that David, in the heat of battle, he waxed faint. So may it be written of all the servants of the Lord. Fits of depression come over the most of us. Usually cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous. The wise are not always ready. The brave are not always courageous. The joyous not always happy. There may be here and there men of iron to whom wear and tear have no detriment, but surely rust frets even these. And as for ordinary men and women, we could say the Lord knows and makes them to know that they are dust. Have you ever felt depressed? Have you been depressed? Whether it's technical depression or not, you're not sure, but it just feels that way. Are you feeling that way this morning? I bet if I asked for a raise of hands, how many of you have been depressed in at least one season of your life? My guess is we would see hands all over the place. One season of my life stands out as a crowning example of the state of my heart of depression. A, a, a state where the crown was one of thorns. A day after day of desperation. Helpless and hopeless desperation. I didn't see any good outcome. I was just so down. Panic and pain would wake me up hour after hour, meeting after meeting, event after event that I would have. I just felt sadness and pain. It just didn't go away. Everything seemed shaded with the glasses of gloom. The taste buds of joy had gone, and in its place was bitterness and sorrow. For me, I knew why. There were circumstances that just seemed to be choking the joy out of me, and I was discouraged. God had not yet delivered me, and I had cried out to him, over and over again, God, where are you? I would try to shield this pain from my wife. Didn't want her to bear it unnecessarily, but I was unsuccessful. I would try not to let my children know I felt this way. Keep a stiff upper lip to those that I led. Maybe it could be expressed in these words. A friend of mine a few years ago shared with me from his journal a desperate season in his life, and I gave, he gave me permission to share this. He writes, my body has broken down 
his health was terrible. My strength has proven to be fleeting. My life has been filled with disappointment and seemingly unending chain of trials, and my hope has often given way to depression and hopelessness. He had lost his wife, and he had five little children to raise. He says, I regularly find myself struggling to see my light, any light, Straining my eyes through storm, hoping for a glimpse of blue skies, calm seas and sunshine, yet failing to see any of those much longed for respites from the tumult. The waves seem relentless, unending. They just keep coming. Often have been the times that I felt they would utterly destroy me, wherein I even desired they would. These heavy times, full of sorrow and despair, do not lend themselves to the simple disciplines of read your Bible and pray every day. Indeed, in the midst of the darkest and heaviness of the storms, reading is nigh unto impossible and praying is reduced to pleas of salvation from the present and sometimes a plea even for death. So he writes, so what must I do? When these storms bear down and threaten me with complete ruin, when the relenting beatings of life cause me to wonder if perhaps the God I call my father has somehow forgotten me, or worse, has abandoned me, the answer, I believe, is as simple as it's daring, unthinkable, seemingly foolish, and excruciatingly difficult. He writes, I must praise him. I want to read to you Psalm, Psalm 42 and 43. Most, as I mentioned, most bind these two Psalms together. And I've labeled it a song for the spiritually depressed. And I could add, with causes and cures from God. A song that helps us with cures from what the wretched, that wretched enemy of depression And I want to focus this morning as we look at the psalm, as we think about this psalm on the reality of spiritual depression, the causes of spiritual depression, and the cures of spiritual depression. But first, let's read it. And I want, as I read this, and it'll be up on your screen, notice the number of questions in the psalm, the questions that are asked, and his emotional state and the causes of that pain. And a common refrain that you see in verse 5, in verse 11, in 43, verse 5. Notice what he says about God. Here's the psalm. It's to the choir master, a mascal. We don't know what that word means. It could mean, most think it's a, it's a musical term. Maybe, maybe a musical term for instruction. Some thought instruction from God. Of the sons of Korah. Here it goes. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Oh, how I would go to 
with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep, at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day Yahweh commands his steadfast love, and at at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with deadly wounds in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God. Defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre. Oh God, my God, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I want us to see the reality of depression, the cause of depression, and divine cures of depression in this psalm. First, do you see the reality of depression in the psalm? For the psalmist, it is a reality. Not just, it's not just a moment, it's a season. His longing for God is right away at the beginning, as a deer pants for the water brooks, but It's not really a a cry for joy in God at the moment. It's a cry of agony. God is not near me, and I am parched. I am thirsty for God, and I haven't been able to get to him. My tears have been my food day and night, verse 3. And three times, 5, 11, and then the next next verse, uh, next chapter, verse 5, do you see where he says, why? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil? The NIV, why is there such sadness within me? Why is this this fire, this vexation, this burdening? I know this is not just this is not just a moment, this is a season. In the 1950s, Martin Lloyd Jones preached and began a sermon series called Spiritual Depression, and he chose this psalm and this verse, verse 5 as the beginning of it. I recommend that book. It could be a big help to you. He started with this passage. The psalmist is saying in verse six, 
My soul is cast down within me. Is that you? Has that been you? He says, verse 9, why do I go mourning? I'm overwhelmed. And when I say this morning, a song of the depressed or spiritually depressed, when I say depression, I want to I use that in a broad term, but I'll, I'll mention it in a more narrow term as well. Depression, de- despondency, discouragement, down, overwhelmed, sad, It might mean clinical depression or just this deep discouragement. Don't get hung up by the term. But I want you to see it's a reality and it happens to God's people. It it happened to Jesus to some degree in at least one point in his life. It's recorded in Matthew 26. And... Talking with Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, oh, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. I wonder if this is the case for you this morning. Or if you've been there or you will be there. Maybe you have your ups and your downs. And today you're up. But tomorrow will come crashing down on you again. With despondency and despair. This is not something for a certain age category. I know there are a bunch of teens in here. And my guess is if statistics are right. You just as much as anyone just struggle with the same thing, depression. The psalm is here, and we should not respond to the psalm this morning by going, the spiritually don't get depressed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Why are you so unspiritual, psalmist, that you can't be happy right now? Don't you know that God's in control? Do you remember last week's psalm, verse 1? Blessed is the one who considers the poor. What that means is, yes, the financially poor, maybe, but it also means the weak, the helpless, the broken, which the depressed surely can fit into that category. We need to think rightly about them. So I I don't think I need a long time to, to convince you that this is a reality. And you see it even in this psalm. And you know it. What about the causes of spiritual depression? I want to give you some general causes first, and then I want to look at the text and point to you what's causing this psalmist to be discouraged, I call spiritually depressed. Well, here's some, here's some general causes. Our temperament. It is true that we are all wired differently. I am wired differently than Lee Mundy. And some of you are wired from someone else in this room and you're completely different and you will respond not because of your spiritual makeup and maturity, but just because of your hard wiring the way God made you and you will be different. I call some are like sharks and some are like 
dolphins. And that doesn't mean you're a shark and that you bite. I mean, you ride along the surface of the water or underneath the water and you just go straight line. You don't have a lot of highs and you don't have a lot of lows. You just are steady eddy. Some people are wired that way. I'm not. I, I think as I got older, sometimes I'm that way. And then I just, then I'm like a dolphin. Maybe you're like that too. And you just rise high with joy and you go down to the depths with discouragement and despondency. I remember listening to a, a Q&A question between John Piper and John MacArthur, two great pastors and writers. They were sitting up there and they were talking about this subject of being a pastor and dis- discouragement and even depression. And, Pi- and, and John MacArthur goes, I've been in ministry for like 60 years. I don't think I've ever been depressed or discouraged in my life. And John Piper looks at him and he goes, what kind of world do you live in? He goes, I just can't, I can't, even, can't even understand that kind of statement. And both were being honest. Our temperaments, some are more given to melancholy is an old term. You could just say, I just get, get down a lot. So temperament, physical problems. I have no doubt that some depression comes from the body. There are chemical imbalances that we don't even always understand. Health issues, insomnia, illnesses of various kinds. I got sick a couple weeks ago when I was in Minnesota, and I was sick for 24 hours. I was so miserable, and I was so discouraged by that. I can't imagine people that have chronic pain day after day, week after week, month after month, how that impacts their mind. Praise God for you in this room that deal with that and walk by faith and hope in God. But physical illnesses, God made us physical beings and we cannot separate body and soul and mind and heart and all of that works together. Sometimes our mind and body is impacted. Our body literally and the chemical makeup is impacted by sometimes sinful decisions we make that have now affected the chemical makeup of our body, bringing us depression. Sometimes all this happens from years of trauma that we've experienced. Our body chemistry is affected and depression can result. Another reason for depression is circumstances of life. We've been deserted. Betrayal of a spouse or a friend or neglect, a family member. We feel the bereavement, the loss of a loved one so deeply a child, a spouse, a parent, a friend. The loss of job or financial strain, poverty, dreams unreached, goals blocked. We've tried and failed. We have enemies and they seem to win. Sometimes our depression comes through the circumstances of we just had an amazing Amazing victory and accomplishment. And like Elijah in Kings, he wants to die. There's a letdown. It might be another one is from guilt and sin. Some deal with depression and despondency like David. Their bones waxed away and they're discouraged and they're depressed because sin has bound them and then they confess and God gives them joy of their salvation again. It might be regrets or pains that we've caused others, sins against God, unconfessed 
or not believing the gospel promises that he actually does forgive me. It could be there are some that are depressed because they have anger against God or others and that bitterness keeps them bound. My, my father-in-law is here, Terry, and he has shared many times and he's open about this. I think because he just wants his testimony to bless others. In his in his 40s, he went through a deep season of depression, which is not like his personality. And God brought him out after deep confession over anger at God and repentance. And just God just, it's a testimony in his life and he just shares it with his kids, his grandkids, his family. Just, this is God at work in him. Satan is a cause Satan truly wants to rob each of us of joyful comfort in Christ and his promises. He wants to keep us from knowing that we're forgiven and being assured of that. He wants to make us think that he, God is against us and not for us if we are truly Christian. He tries to make sin big and our trials big and God small to our hearts. And he accuses us and slanders God against us and slanders us. Now, what about this text? I see a few things that this David, or it might be David, it might some. It says of the some songs of, of of the sons of Korah, it could be to the sons of Korah from David, or it could be from someone else. We don't know who it is. The psalmist gives some reasons why he is depressed or discouraged deeply. I, I wrote down a few. One, separation from God's comforting presence, as a deer pants. For flowing streams, so my soul pants for you. And usually we sing that going, oh, that's so beautiful, the love of God. Yes, it is, in one sense. But he is not singing with beautiful joy here. He is groaning and sighing. He's separated from God. When shall I come and appear before God? He remembers sweet fellowship with God. And that's not his present experience at all. We, we can read and maybe assume here from later verses that this psalmist is in exile. He's away from the temple where he used to be all the time, and it's killing him. He, he can't stand it that he can't go long, no longer be with the people of God in worship. And oh, that we would be like that. He's probably above the region of Galilee at the source of the Jordan River in the mountainous region, it may be beautiful, beautiful mountains, but that's not the beauty, beauty he's longing for. He feels so far from God that it is as though God has forgotten him. You see in verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Or in verse 2 of the next psalm, why have you rejected me? Another reason for cause of his depression is the attacks and taunts of the enemy. He says right at the beginning of the psalm, they say to me all of the day long, where is your God? It's as though he's saying, they're just, they're taunting me. Has God abandoned you? Like Job's wife to Job? Why don't you curse God and die? He's abandoned you. Or, you're not faithful. God wouldn't allow all these things to happen to you if, if you were faithful. So just despair. Verse 10, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me 
while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Verse 1 of 43, defend my cause against the ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Verse 2, why the morning, why all this morning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. Another th- reason that David, third one is painful memories. Have you ever been depressed, discouraged, and memories just make it worse? For David, he did. Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. And he goes, I, I remember when I would go to the throng and I would lead them in procession into the house of God. I would go with glad shouts of praise, but that's not anymore. And then we just, he doesn't go into detail, but we see from later on in 42, waves of painful providence have come upon him. He says, deep calls to deep. All your breakers, verse 7. All your, the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and waves, they just keep hitting me like wave after wave. They hit me. I can't get a break. It's so hard. I'm so far from you. And I wonder this morning, what's caught, what, what causes yours? Maybe sometimes you say, Pastor, I don't even know. That's the worst thing. Just, I'm just blah. It's just down. I'm just overwhelmed. I, I want to now pivot to look at the third point, and that is the cures of spiritual depression. And we come to the part where we want help, a cure for something that is so painful. We all, in the time of depression, long for an antidepressant. Not, I'm not, and by that, I don't mean a pill, but the hand of God to wipe our brow, to comfort our heart, to lift up our spirits, to let our heart rest in peace and joy. We long for, when we're down, for the clouds of sadness, or I just call it blahness. I just, it just feels, ugh, to be removed. Now, I've said that a cause could be your temperament, you're wired that way, physical condition and health, sin, Satan, circumstances, feelings of God abandonment, memories, enemies taunting, attacking, mocking. And a few words before I go to the text and show you, and and I hope by God's grace, to point to health and help. But I just want to say a few things. In this subject, rest is a gift from God. And you say, that's the problem. I'm not getting in a rest. But for some, taking a break is necessary. We need our Sabbaths, our rests. It's an act of trust in God and a recognition that we are not God and He is. And we're finite. We are limited. Sleeping is a gift, and sometimes we need to get help from a doctor to get that sleep or to get that rest. And then there's friends and counselors. I thank God for a counselor that I saw 
in my early years as a pastor. He was a Christian psychologist that was driven by God's word and counseled me and helped me when I was really discouraged. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for a wife. I'm thankful for friends and co-pastors like Pastor Mike who will speak truth and life into me and remind me of truths. And the members and leaders of this church are here to help each other in this painful walk. Our first pastor who planted this church in the 80s, early 80s, Pastor Jack, a joyful, joking, wise, faithful, godly man, struggled with depression almost all his life. Later in his life, he was very open about this. He shared this with others, shared this in his ministry. He went to a Christian psychologist who helped him look to Christ, and because of the physiological makeup in his body, he needed meds, yes, meds, and it was a gift to him. He put no trust in that meds. God used it as a blessing. He put his trust in God. If you knew him, you'd go, I would have never guessed that he, he, would be depressed, devastated by it. Nobody is just lightly touched by depression. Oh, yeah, I'm handle it fine. No, you're not. Um, it's a reminder that some of the most laughing, joyfully looking people might be the most hurting people. I can testify for about a year about 15 years ago, God used the grace of antidepressants and meds in my life, and he used a counselor in a very helpful way. Now, before I get into what David or the psalmist shows us, I just I, this is a side note that I just, as I prepared for this, I just felt like I wanted to bring this to you. This, this is so helpful to me. I once came across this advice, and it was so helpful to me. How should we assess the use of medications? Because people are just going to throw medications at you all the time. Doctors do. Everybody does. And we got to be careful. We don't medicate all our problems. We go to God for them. Sometimes God uses medicine. But that's not our hope. How should we assess the use of medications from a biblical perspective? First, remember that we exist as body-spirit creatures. We are simultaneously body and soul. There's never a time when we're not spiritually engaged, and there's never a time when we're not bodily engaged. They're just interconnected. That means that attention to both physical and spiritual aspects of our personhood is mandatory in our lives. What biblical... So, so here are... Let me discuss some things. I'm going to share these things with you. You might call them walking the spiritual wisdom tightrope as you approach these two options of do I get help in my depression with medicine or just with spiritual advice slash counseling? Here, here's the tightrope we walk. And I would say sometimes we just say, God, give me wisdom. It is a king, Number one, it is a kingdom agenda to relieve our suffering. Jesus offers rest. It is also a kingdom agenda 
to redeem us through suffering. God tries our faith in our difficulty, and he produces patience in our trials. Another, medications are a gift of God's grace, and they sometimes give us energy and life, and we praise him. And here's the other side of the tightrope. Medications can be used idolatrously, putting our trust and our hope in them with selfish purposes. Another, too much suffering can be hazardous. Oh, we're not close yet. But, okay. I'm so glad. Come on in. (laughs) No problem. Not at all. Hi, kids. Really glad you're here. Let me say this. A person can have wrong motives for taking medicine for their depression. They can have wrong motives. They just want to deal with it, and they don't want to deal with counseling. They don't want to deal with the problems that are underlining. They don't want to deal with the heart issues. And they just say, I'm going to take medicine. That's going to help me. That's, that keeps me away from the real hard stuff. You can have wrong motives that way, and you can have wrong motives on the other way for not taking medicine. I am too good for that. I am strong, and I am fully put together. I don't, I'm not weak so that I need that. And so, may God give us wisdom to address these things, understanding and trusting in him at all times. So, how does this, how can this psalm, Psalm 42 and 43, give us a cure or a help or direct us to have life, to, to fight against depression and discouragement when we're down, cast, and overwhelmed. Here are some cures. God is always the cure. Kids, when you're discouraged or sad, parents, grandparents, when we're sad, God is always our biggest need. And our help will always come from God. God is our salvation. And our God, the psalm, sings 5, verse 11, verse 5 in the next one. It literally says, God, he is my salvation. But that word is, he is the salvation of my face. Or the health of my, the help of my face. It is though he's saying, my, my face has been distorted with discouragement. Have you felt that way? Hey, I know something's wrong with you. I can see it on your face. He is the salvation of my face. He shines his countenance upon me and gives me life. And that's what David cries out to. And we need to ask for it. And we see that in chapter 43 when he says, would you send out your light and your truth? Send it to my soul. If you can get help. And I want to say to you, faith, If you can get help in your discouragement or depression or whatever you want to call it through sleep, meds, a counselor, exercise, if it truly help from God, if it's true help, it'll come through God. He'll use sleep. He'll use medicine. He'll use these and he'll use the advice and wisdom in this psalm. Let me give you four brief instructions. One, 
This psalm does this, and I hope I'll do this better. Deal with questions. Number one, deal with questions rightly. So much of the structuring of these two psalms are framed with question after question. Did you see them when I read them? And, and I want you to point you to three different categories of questions. There's, first of all, I would call it the watch out for the tormenting questions of the enemy. Have you felt the questions of the enemy come at you? Daniel, you're just a loser. For you, you, you can't parent. You, you're not really a Christian. Your sins are not really forgiven. You're just such a mess. Why don't you just give up? God's not for you. How could he be for you if you're going through all of these things? Here, the psalmist says, where? they're saying to me over and over again, where is our God? Why do you think he'll help you? Do you think he'll be faithful when he's left you in such hurt? And those questions will come from Satan and they'll come from people. And sometimes they're going to come from Christians. Satan will taunt you with lies, to ignore God, to reject and replace the truth with lies. And watch out for the tormenting questions of the enemy. Who shall bring any charge successfully against God's people? None, because Jesus has died for you. Speak truth to yourself. Respond to those questions. Here's another set of questions you need to watch out or you need to be aware of and get right. Honestly, pour out your questions to God in lament. We we see this, and we're going to see this over and over again as we keep preaching through the Psalms. The Psalms are all about, are often about when we're in trial, we lament to God, we cry out to God, and that's what he does here. God, why do I go mourning because of the oppression of many? He's talking to God. He's saying, God, why is this happening? God, when will I appear in your presence? Verse 2. Why have you forgotten me? Why is it as though you've rejected me? It is okay for us to bring those questions to God. In fact, we need to ask God, God, why? How long? When are you going to come? When are you going to lift up my countenance and be the salvation of my faith? God's people deal with these questions rightly and they turn them to God and they look to God with those questions of lamenting faith. Here's a third category of questions that moves us to the second point that I want to give to you. We need to interview ourselves with questions about our downcast heart. I'm gonna encourage you this week. If you find yourself even, not in depression even, just discouraged about a situation, interrogate, interview yourself with questions about your, down, your, your saddened heart, like in verse five. Why are you cast down? Who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. Oh, my soul. Why are you downcast, Daniel? Why are you just so upset, Daniel? Our minds will run wild and do much harm, so we need to examine, we need to bridle, control them with self-examining questions of why are you cast down? Why are you in so much turmoil? Why are you sad right now? What's making you depressed? What things are making you overwhelmed and robbing you of joy? What do you need to cast upon the Lord? What does God say about these things? What does God promise? Are these things that you are hurt about and worried about, and are they long-lasting? Does God promise a cure in the days to come or in eternity? So get questions. We need to get questions right. Questions from the enemies. Watch out for them. Questions up to God. Oh, pour out your heart to God. 
and interrogate, interview yourself when you find yourself discouraged. Here's number two advice of cure. Don't listen to yourself, preach to yourself. That's what's happening. Look at verse 11, the same in verse 5. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? There's, he's talking to self. Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And the advice here is don't listen to yourself or don't listen to Satan, but preach truth about God and his promises to yourself. Lloyd-Jones in his sermon on depression says this, the main art of the spirit, the spiritual, uh, the matter of spiritual living is to know how to take a handle on yourself. You have to take a handle of yourself. You have to address yourself. You need to preach to yourself. You need to question yourself. Listen up, Daniel. What do you think you're doing getting all discouraged and letting your mind just continue to go down there? Hope in God. Daniel, what... What are you thinking, continuing to listen to the stories that are running down in your mind of all the bad things that you're worrying about or discouraged about or blame yourself about? Hope in God. You are tied to God. Hoping in God means wait on a God who promises to be good for you forever. Hope in him. And then it says, preach to yourself this, I will again praise him I will again. There'll come a time when my heart is overwhelmed with joy and I'll be gathered with God's people and I will praise him. And then he says, my salvation or this help of my face and my God, my God. Hope, I think one of the most important things of this psalm for us to grasp is to say, oh God, please help me to so get a hold of my life and my way and my thinking and Help me talk myself out of these moods that cause my mind and my heart to think falsehood and preach to myself the glorious truths of who God is. Remind myself who God is, what he's done for me, what he'll do for me, and defy these doubting thoughts that are in my mind. We are to say to ourselves, soul, you know who the health and help of your life is. It's the God who gave his son Jesus for me, who died on the cross for me. He is my salvation and my hope. I give two more. Number three, depend on Christ by praying for deliverance of his presence. I'm not going to point all of them out, but as you, especially as you move into the second Psalm 43, you find him saying, vindicate me, oh God, God, come and help, bring me justice. Defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful man, deliver me. O God, whom I take refuge, would you come and, verse 3, send your light and your truth. Let them, your light and your truth, lead me and let them bring me into your holy hill. The psalmist in Psalm 16, preserve me, O God, in you I take refuge. Or Psalm 3, arise, O God, save me. The last thing I want you to see is what just is stunning in this chapter, this, these psalms. David in this, I keep saying David, but say David or the psalmist in this psalm is not primarily 
obsessed with getting free of depression or his downcast soul. What is he obsessed with? God. Number four, desire God in his worship more than anything. This psalm is amazing. The psalmist pants not for happiness, but for God. The psalmist hat. The psalmist thirsts not for relief from his downcast soul, but for the presence of the living God. He doesn't say, just give me relief. He says, get me God. I want God. Do we say that? And may, if anything, this morning we say, oh God, Help me to pant after you this way. He says, send me light and truth. Why? So that I might come to God, my exceeding joy. If you could note throughout these two psalms, how he describes God, verse 2, he's my living God. I want to come to the living God. It has this idea of the living streams that just never end. It just continues to flow and gives life. He's never He never grows old. He's my salvation, 511, verse 5. He's my God, verse 5. He is Yahweh. He's the covenant-keeping God who, verse 8, he commands his steadfast love for me and he gives me a song in the night. He is my rock and he is my refuge, verse 9. And then 43, 2, and he ends with, to God my exceeding joy. Grief is for a season, but joy comes in the morning. I, this psalmist is saying, I long for anything but to be with God's people worshiping God so that I know God and experience him in a unique way. Oh, do we long for him, faith church? Do we long for God himself? Not just what God gives us, Let us gather on Sundays for him, hungry for him, praying for him to meet us. Yes, he meets us in our devotional times, our quiet times, our reading of the Bible on our own, but he intends to overwhelm his people uniquely in times together as we sing praises and we hover over the word. We could have said, but psalmist, you can have your personal devotions and have experience with God wherever you are. Why don't you be encouraged? You know, he says, no, I want to be with God's people. I remember when I longed to lead the people in procession as we worshiped God. Oh, that was a special time there. I look back even over the last eight years and there's been times and moments in this service when I was getting ready to preach and your voices of singing lifted a, song, a heart, my heart that was really discouraged at the moment and, said, and, it, and you spoke to me through God's grace and I hope you've experienced the same thing through the work of the people of God. God intends for these mornings to be more than the collection of bunch of individual Not so great, sometimes singers, some better than others, a bunch of people that struggled all week, they gather together, we're not that special, and we come together, and God intends to meet us here in a special way, not because I'm so amazing, but because God's spirit and this word is amazing, and what he ordains for us that's happening in this service to be amazing.
He intends for us to pray for it and long for it and expect it that during a sermon your hearts will leap for joy and you will be forever changed, maybe saved or, or freed of something or that the sing that somebody sang as they, those voices washed over you in your heart overwhelmed with sadness and they sang, God is good, God is good and you went, yeah, I just needed my brothers and sisters to tell me that through song. And I think that's, that's the heart here. Oh, when will you bring me back to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy? Oh, that we would mourn for the loss of God when God feels far to us. Not just to get happiness that he gets, as though God is a vending machine for this emotionally hurting but because God is the happiness we really need. He is the longing of our heart. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Jesus sang the song of the depressed in Matthew 26, or of a broken heart. And he sang to bring us to God so that we can enjoy him forever. May God help us. May God help you to fight together with truth. Ask questions rightly. Preach to yourself truth. Cry out to God and long to know God himself. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. We're going to sing a final song. It's a song that we've sung over the last year a few times. Afflicted saint to Christ draw near. It is a song of words of Christians not singing to God, but to sing to each other. About two years ago, I had stumbled across this song. I had probably heard it before, and I came across it, and I loved it. I, I listened to it, and I had a friend who was going through cancer. He's a pastor. We've prayed for him, Paul, and he lives down in the south. And I, I sent him this song, and I said, Paul, I've been thinking about this song, and I'm praying for you in this, with this psalm. And this is his reply to me. I think I shared this one other time. He wrote to me this. Daniel, I love this song. I've listened to this song hundreds of times over the past 16 months. On walks, on drives, sitting in the waiting room, crying in bed at night. There have been times when the words of my closest friends have been loved and appreciated, but empty to hurting ears. Even my bleary, tear-soaked eyes have failed to focus on truth of the written word. But the truths of that song have reminded me countless times that even as I sit with literal aching heart at the passing of my sister and my uncle and my grandmother and my dad and my cancer diagnosis amidst the loneliness of pastoring by myself, that he is here. He is with me. He's in me. He's fighting for me. He is for me. He went to the cross to assure me of this, that this is just a momentary affliction, though right now it feels like the weight of the world. It's only temporary. So I rest. Not sure how, but my unsaved community wonders how I rest. My church community cheers me on, and I rest. It's the sweetest communion I've ever known. It's as close to hell as I will ever go. 
but he's with me as by God's grace I draw near. Let's sing that to each other by faith this morning. Let's stand.